2019. This coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Biz News Radio. I'm Felicity Duncan and with me is Biz News Editor-in-Chief Alec Hug. Alec, let's kick off by talking about something quite exciting that's coming up on your calendar, which is your, should we call it your, your regular pilgrimage to, <laughs> to Davos. Um, tell us a bit about what that is and, and why everyone should be interested. Well, it's my adventure. My pilgrimage <laughs> is to, is of course to Omaha. Ah, to, you know, to that's Bergenville. fair. <laughs> that's mm. fair. That's fair. But, but it, it, it's a great adventure and it's a five day adventure in the Alps. Uh, you don't get to see much outside of the uh, Davos environment itself, uh, but it is wonderful brain food and great stimulation. Uh, and this year is, well, it was shaping up to be the biggest year ever. And then uh, the Donald, who made such a hit last year, uh, has now decided to cancel. But I, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. Just to, to go back, though, um, what I like about it is that you start, you get up close and personal with the people from your own country. So I have over the years had the privilege of engaging with the South African lawmakers, policymakers, and going back, the very first time I went to Davos, in fact, was in 1993. Uh, and it was kind of a one-off. It was much, much smaller back then. But what was exciting about that was that it was a year before democracy in South Africa. I was at the SABC and we were seeing the dawning or the, the introduction of the new players, people that you know now so well, Tito uh, Mboweni, who went on to be governor, is now finance minister. He'll be back again this year in that role. But in 1993, he was standing with me in the snow, uh, co-hosting a crossing back to South Africa, just because I asked him to. Uh, it, he was just a pal, really. Um, Ibram Patel, also, uh, who's now uh, doing a very important role in government with economic affairs. He was also there just as a trade unionist. And it goes on and on. Trevor Manuel, a lot of these people that I got to meet in a in a, 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 a comfortable environment, in a relaxed environment. You know, through the years, you've, you've gotten to know these people in a relaxed environment. And what excites me at the moment about South Africa is a lot of these guys, high-quality human beings, who were very young when I first met them and very enthusiastic, they've continued to remain involved and they've been brought back into the uh, into the environment now uh, when the country really needs it, but they're a whole lot more experienced. And I think that's really the the, the thing about Davos is it's it's meeting, it's in a relaxed environment with people that ordinarily you would only engage with in their offices or in a very formalized kind of um, timing, whereas here you get to see the real person. And that's probably why I'm a lot more positive than most South Africans about the country's future, because I know now who's actually in the hot seats. And these are extraordinary human beings. When you have a look at the, the the reason they went into politics, unlike most parts of the world, was for all the right reasons to serve the public. Uh, that was because of the struggle. And these guys are now older. They hardened. They've been out in the world. And I'm talking about uh, Patel, uh, um, uh, Manuel, uh, Mboweni, 
um, you, you, you know, Pravin Gordon, you go through the, and of course, Cyril Ramaphosa himself, you go through the list. These were always people with great potential and they fulfilled that potential. Now they've got the experience. And why I can say that with a lot of confidence is because of the people I've seen in Davos over the years when they weren't in such senior positions. You, 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 uh, you get to know the human being and really that's going to be exciting this year to, to link up with them again. But also, it's the informal global economic agenda that gets set there. Now, if you consider the people who go there really are the movers and shakers around the world in business and in politics, and they have their own worldview until they get to divorce and they then get engaging with people who they listen to because most A-type personalities, CEOs of companies, tend not to listen that well. But when they're with CEOs of other companies, global companies, bigger companies than theirs, they listen. And by the time they leave, they have a far better understanding of what's going on in the world. And it's almost a little bit, I wouldn't say groupthink, but it's, it's just a better informed uh, leadership cater uh, for, the, for the, the whole of society. And then they can apply the right kind of uh, approaches. Uh, the, the World Economic Forum itself says it. Its, its credo is to improve the state of the world. And in fact, it does that, but perhaps not in the ways that most people think. So I'm excited about it again, to be, to be listening once more, to be learning once more, and to understand far better uh, than, than I do before I go there on what the, the rest of the year is likely to hold. What do you think the big issues are going to be? Because we've had a really, 2018 was a very interesting, very challenging, I think, year globally. Um, obviously, the, the trade war between or the China and, and the United States was a big theme. We've seen global growth slowing. With, uh, with the upcoming Davos Summit, what do you think some of the really big themes are going to be? What are you going to be looking out for? Well, I think there are really three things, and it's not necessarily on the official uh, program. Mm. But the first, the first thing would be the the trade war. Uh, this has massive implications for the world, as we are seeing, and we have to see some breakthrough there. It looks like sanity is prevailing; that they're, they're starting to be grown ups, both uh, the, the the Americans and the Chinese. But that will be the first thing that I'll be looking for. Unfortunately, Donald Trump's not coming, but I do think Lighthizer and some of the other key players will be there uh, just to to put forward America's view, particularly after the latest discussions. The deputy uh, uh, premier of China will be there and will be giving a keynote. So that's point one. Point two is the antibodies fighting back against populism. And we're seeing this all over the place. In the past few years, there has been... A, almost prior to that, there was an overcorrection towards globalization. People took it, the, the liberal democracies, uh, economic thinking uh, was almost taken for granted. Then the antibodies kicked back and populism came in. Now the antibodies are kicking back into populism, if you know what I mean. So it's, it's like this pendulum that, that mankind has that goes one way or the other. And last year there was a quite a lot of uh, um, concern at, at, in divorce about how populism was taking over. We'd had Brexit, we'd had Trump, we'd had Italy, and we've seen what's consequent to that. Uh, or certainly in, in France, there was quite a big scare with Le Pen and so on. Uh, we have Brazil uh, with a knock-on effect there as well, but it's not entirely populism there. It's, it's something uh, a little more akin to just economic realism. But I'm expecting to see more of that, more 
more common sense being brought to the party. And it reminds me, you know, a great man from South Africa that I met many, many years ago, uh, Anton Rupert, before he passed on. It was just before the 1994 election. And I asked him, we were in a, a, a private conversation. I asked him what he thought ab- about the likelihood for South African peace after 94, because in the run up to the election, there was lots of anxiety. And he said, when a foot soldier becomes a horseman, he no longer thinks like a foot soldier. And that was something that stuck with me throughout the years, because it's almost like people rise to the position that they put into sometimes, not always. Moheng Moheng in South Africa as the chief justice is a great example of this, appointed by Zuma. And he, do, he went beyond uh, the man who'd appointed him. There was no loyalty towards the man who'd, who'd appointed him in that case. So I'm, I'm seeing that happening. I'm seeing more of the foot soldiers having become horsemen around the world, starting to act more like the, the horsemen. And then the third issue in all of this is something that started last year, but has been gathering momentum, and that is the kickback against big tech. I'm expecting that, that there will be a, quite a lot more discussion on this front. The, we saw last year, and it hasn't really gone the way or as strongly as I thought the trend, but there is definitely momentum and it's growing. And, and that's the great thing about the World Economic Forum, particularly if you're privileged enough to go back there every year, is that you pick up the trends. And those are trends. That particular trend on this, this fight back against big tech is something that I'm expecting will get a, will be rejuvenated uh, in Davos in a couple of weeks' time. Well, that's great. So that's a lot to look out for. Uh, one thing I think that's going to be or that's going to present a major challenge, of course, when it comes to discussions around the trade war and around resolving that and getting the global economic order back on track is that, of course, Donald Trump is not going to be attending, as you mentioned. And this is because at home he is facing quite a bit of chaos, right? The government shutdown has now entered its 22nd or 23rd day, making it it's the longest government shutdown in the United States in history. Uh, a very intractable situation. President Trump is refusing to sign any bill that doesn't provide $5 billion in funding for his border wall that he wants to build along the Mexican-U.S. border. And the... Democratic House of Representatives is also refusing to pass a bill that does include that sort of funding. So there's a a serious impasse there. The House has passed a number of bills, but the Senate has refused to hear them um, because they know that President Trump is not going to sign them without this border wall funding. So a new tone in Washington because the House has gone Democratic, uh, some new pain points, and what looks like a very difficult situation that is uh, fairly far away, I think, from, from resolution at this point. It's, it's so interesting. And, and as South Africans, we don't get or we don't quite appreciate that this affects 800,000 employees. If roughly 400,000 Americans who are working for the state today who are not being paid. So they're not getting their salaries at the end of the month. And there are another 400,000 who work for the state who've been sent home on unpaid leave because there isn't money to pay them. So this is not just some uh, political issue that's happening up there. It's really affecting bread and butter uh, of uh, state employees, federal federal employees. And and you have the, the, the clash, as you've explained, continuing. And Trump saying, well, he might declare a state of emergency so that he can get his money for the war. But it is, uh, it is where politics starts going wrong. The other thing that Trump's got to worry about is that Michael Cohen, his 
uh, well, long-time personal lawyer and confidant, has uh, turned state witness in a criminal charge, a criminal action, where he paid hush money to the two women who had accused Trump of having affairs with them while he was married. And uh, this was they were going to come out with the, the, the disclosures just before the 2016 presidential election, which would clearly have made an impact. And it's a, that is a criminal offense because you cannot withhold any information during an election period in the United States, uh, which would actually impact people's thinking. So that's going to he's going to go to the he's going to the Congress. He's going to the House of Representatives to uh, give his testimony in public next month. Now, if you're Donald Trump, you've got to start feeling that the walls are walls are closing in on you quite strongly. So to go off to divorce where last year he was such a hit, he got he, he was treated like. Well, like the leader of the free world, which I guess he is, given uh, the position that he holds. And uh, it, it would have fed his ego, no doubt, um, to the degree that he wanted to come back again this year and had announced that he was going there with a huge uh, entourage of all the top people in his cabinet. Now he's not going anymore, which gives you an indication of how serious things are in the U.S. at the moment. Davos 2019. This coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes.